You can now hear Tech Actually on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly on your iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or WebOS device. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed, no memory wasted. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Actually, episode 112 for the 11th of December, 2010. Ted? Ted. How'd Ted get in this room? <laughs> 2010, and tis the season to be jolly, Josh. <laughs> Hello, Josh. How are you? Do you know me at all? <laughs> yeah, you say you love Christmas. I do love Christmas. When it's close to Christmas, right now I deal with as much... Uh, I want to use a nasty word, but I'll use a much less nasty word. I'll just say bad customers and filthy people trying to get what they think is the only important part of their life out of the way. When it comes to Christmas Eve, I'll be jolly as fuck. Okay, but it's 14 days till Christmas, man. We've got to get into some Christmas spirit. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. USB powered for anybody that isn't aware of it. We have a Christmas tree. It's the geek Christmas tree. All right, and I am David McVeigh, and this is Josh Philpot. How are you, Josh? Sorry, we didn't do any introductions um, there. Um, because some sad news. Yes. And some positive news, but some sad news to start with, which is, of course, that this is the last tech actually for the year. Yes. <sighs> now, this is kind of sudden, I know. But next week, next week, next week, we still have shows. But it's the last tech actually for the year. Mm. Um, we are going to wrap it up for tech actually t- uh, today. And then next week, there'll be a film show and an after show. Um, and the after show will probably have a little bit more tech heavy in it because mm. there will be probably tech news to come out. Um, but uh, we are going to wrap down because we need to start freeing up a little bit of Saturday to do things like Christmas shopping and stuff like that. So we need to uh, start winding back the shows, so to speak. Um, now, the positive side of that is that uh, tech actually will be back next year, but in a slightly different form. Now, um, we're going to save this for the feedback section at the end, but uh, we have come to some decisions about the fate of the after show. We're kind of doing what they did in the fly with the transport chambers. We're doing that. We're using them. But we'll come back to that because I've got some email, which was some feedback. And we've got some email in the after show as well. And it's all related to this particular topic. So we'll come back to that. Let's get through some tech news first. And then we will talk about uh, what we're going to do with these shows. First of all, I want to just say thank you very much to James from Melbourne in our chat room who donated to the David Storms America Tour, which gives me a perfect segue to push the David Storms America Tour, which of course is next year. We want to try and um, ship me over to the States for a week or two to try and catch up with uh, other podcasters around, the the big guns out there, so to speak. Uh, Rub shoulders, get our, our profile up. Um, over in the States. Um, so we are trying to raise money. If you are interested in helping us out on this, any amount is good. Um, but if you're a sugar daddy and have more money than, you know, God, then, you know, we'll take that as well. But we are trying to raise about $6,000 and we are $200 closer to that now. Um, uh, no, not that he donated, but we, over the course of the last few weeks, yes. we, have, we have got a couple of hundred bucks. And uh, thank you to everybody who's helped out. So if you go to geekactually.com for front of the page, right there in the panel, you'll see David Storms America. And that's where you can actually donate. There's also a post, if you do a search, uh, called David Storms America, The Plan, and you can read about what we're actually planning. Let's move on. All right. This week in tech, um, look, I got to say, aside from 
uh, uh, the Chrome announcement, the Google Chrome announcement, which was so goddamn boring as far as I'm concerned that yeah. I don't really even want to cover it. Um, so I'm not. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that terribly horrible of me? All I'll say about the Google Chrome announcement was they got on stage and said, this is our amazing new Chrome operating system. Isn't it brilliant? It's going to work on laptops. And all I could think is, why? Mm. What's the purpose of it? I still don't understand. He's, and he actually went, he actually said, I got to say, he actually went so far as to say, um, Nobody just uses apps anymore. Everybody lives their life on the web. We tried our best, but we couldn't think of any app that people really just need. And my mind just went off. Photoshop, Office, Word, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's just, yeah. he's just a, uh, you know, MP3 players, iTunes. I think there's a lot of people who live in iTunes, you know. Yeah. And he sits there and go, I don't think you looked real hard. Yeah, if no, I, I really don't. If you're going to make statements like that. So I just thought the whole Google Chrome thing was ridiculous. I don't understand. I'm actually, I was listening to Buzz Out Loud and Natalie Morris, formerly Natalie Del Conti, but Natalie Morris was actually saying um, she just doesn't understand why they need this. They've got Android. They've got, you know, it's, I, they, she doesn't understand the concept of the, of the Chrome. I mean, intellectually she does, but she doesn't understand it, why it's there. And I am right there with her. Yeah. Natalie, no. I, I completely agree with you. I don't understand yeah. what Google wants to do with the Chrome, Chrome operating system slash browser. Yeah. Well, no, you just mean browser because that's, well, that's basically all, yeah, all it's, it is. It's just a browser. And, yeah. the, and, and it runs applications in tabs. Uh, dudes, they're called web apps. Yeah. And generally, they're free. And it's free. called a taskbar. We've had that for years. Yeah, and they're going to have an app store where you can buy your web apps. Can't we already get them for free on the web? Mm. <laughs> but they won't be able to run because you're running Chrome OS. Uh, maybe, Boom. Oh, my head hurts. Anyway, I don't understand the concept. And I'm leaving the, you know, keeping the jury out. And I'm just going to sit there and say, at this point, I think it's a, it's a wrong Delta, move. I get that. I really do. I get that they are designing it for netbooks. I, I understand. Oh, good. Let's, die it for, let's design it for a dying platform. Exactly. Um, but like as someone that sells netbooks, netbooks don't sell. And there's a reason. Because people have got to the point now where they buy a netbook and they come back to me and goes, my friend's iPad can do video editing. I can't. Mm. And it's like, yeah, sorry about that. You bought something that's shit. Or he says, oh, that's a really good program. I'll get that from my computer. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't because yeah. I don't have Windows slash Linux slash Mac, whatever well, it might be. Well, there's a Linux interface. So, I mean, the but there's no just... Linux operating system as such. You can't just install Linux programs. Nope. It's, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand its purpose because we have web browsers. Well, because, I don't know, they have this, like... A ridiculous belief that Google is everything. And I think they have to really understand that Google is a integral part of what we do on a daily basis. It doesn't mean that it's the only thing. Calisant says in our chat room, and netbooks work fine with WinXP. Well, they also work fine with Windows 7, so they're also future-proofed. I mean, yeah. there are netbooks running Windows 7 now, and that yeah. runs fine. Yep. They also... I'm talking about home, um, home premium as well, not yeah. just... Not and if just... you hack them, you can run OS ten on most netbooks fine. And Linux runs on netbooks fine. Do we really need this, is all I'm saying. It's just... No, I don't believe that, Numerozero, because um, Numerozero in our chat room is saying that media editing will be done on the web um there's a whole bunch of reasons i don't want that to happen number one is if i'm working from a source which is somewhere else especially in australia of all places <clears throat> if i'm working with a video file especially with the sizes that some of the stuff that we pull down will be in like the smallest video files i get which are the compressed versions of the show that we do on dlc mm. are still over a 
you know, over a gig. Hmm. Like these things are not small. Yeah, when you start dealing, when you start talking, even even talking about a couple of hundred megabytes, I've uploaded stuff to that is already edited, that is already compressed and uploaded to YouTube. Yeah. And you're when you start to go and upload a two or three hundred megabyte file, it hmm. takes an awful long time to upload because of the way our net is set up with the uh, uh, uploads being so much slower than downloads. Yeah. It takes a long time. And I don't want to sit there and upload a ton of high def high def I would, I would video like to footage point, to the web well that's to edit. what i want to point out to people is the fact that cameras are getting smaller 1080 is becoming a standard format and the internet is not getting faster mm. okay the internet is still the same speed we have better lines and better connections than we had and you could argue that some download speeds have gotten faster but uploads aren't they're capping uploads yeah, they cap that on purpose so they can give you faster downloads so, exactly we have to watch <clears throat> our downloads that's now why it's called adsl guys asynchronous digital yeah. subscriber line it's it, they're not going to match yeah no um, it's there are certain tasks you will never be able to rightfully do um yeah exactly calisynth is bringing up 3d work as well another mm. great example you cannot do these functions online but then again would, to be fair nobody is going to do 3d work on a netbook anyway yeah but i'm saying that google wants to drive an operating system right and for an operating system to work throughout history if you're going to make a new system if you're going to make a new start and try and revolutionize the way we do things you have to look at what we do with a computer and work from there i also wonder if it's too little too late i think the netbook market is already starting to phase out i think the next generation whether it be an android a galaxy tab an ipad whatever it might be i think the next generation of the personal little travel computer yeah. is going to be in tablet format. I'd I like to say, by the way, I've had some time to play with the Galaxy Tab. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's yeah, getting good like, reviews. Look, I, I will go as far as to say that I have a lot of problems with it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, with How's the, Android, by the way? Because I've never really I had, had Android. Chance, I've never had a chance to really yeah, no, play no, no, with Android. I, I, I still hate Android to date because, you see, the only people that like Android are people that have only used Android. Mm. Because the whole thing is people say to me, yeah, you know, but... It, it can do this and, and uh, you know, Apple can't. It's like, that's fine. But at the end of the day, the number one thing I want is quick speed. Mm. And that's one thing Android has never given me. It's like on the phones, when they first came out, the first HTCs that I played with when they first came out with, we had one of those as a standard store thing. We did everything you can imagine to it. And I still hated it. We have, I'm now playing with the Galaxy Tab. It is jerky. Uh, games don't run properly. The update speeds on some programs are not that great. Mm-hmm. But um, like I'm not sure if I said last week, but um, their magazine system needs to be looked at by Apple because they have to get something like that, like a, a yeah, an well, app, I've, an app yeah, we've said that for a while. Combining all of these things. Yeah, the problem is that the magazine, and I don't know how they're doing it on Android yet, but the magazines don't want to give thirty percent to Apple for every subscription. Well, I imagine they probably don't. Maybe Android isn't charging for it. Well, exactly, and this is what uh, Apple has to come to terms with: is the whole in-app purchasing thing still works on that seventy thirty split? So if you actually do a magazine subscription through an app, you're yeah. still going to give it Apple because what's happening is they're subscribing to Apple, not to you, and you're just giving them the product. And they, as opposed to doing what an app a month well as opposed to what the distributors want to do is they want to be able to create an app that has an in-app purchasing that goes to their servers so that you can subscribe directly to them yeah. um, which apple doesn't allow at this point so um, yeah. 
Although, funnily enough, they say they don't allow that, and yet the Sydney Morning Herald app here in Australia does exactly that. Yeah. So I'm not sure how the Sydney Morning Herald is getting away with it, and nobody else seems to be able to. Maybe but it's just good program. Maybe. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll wait and see. All right. Yeah, look, as far as the Google thing is concerned, I think it's a mistake. I think Chrome is a really good browser, and I think it should stay a really good browser. And I think that, uh, realistically, I think the future belongs to the tablet market. For mm. um, Let me get that straight. We will always need computers because yeah. we need to do 3D work and video editing and podcasting and all those workhorsey things that we have to do, mm. we need computers for. Yeah. But when I'm downstairs during the night and I'm not working, I have my iPad. I did, two days in a row now, I have not even opened my laptop downstairs. Dude, yeah, I... Anytime I'm away from my house, the only thing I use is an iPad. Absolutely. And so I look at it and go, as far as the light, quick, personal computing goes, it's going to be smartphones and tablets. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think netbooks are going to basically phase out over time as tablets become cheaper. I don't think the iPad is the be-all and the end-all. I think at the moment it is just the best in show. Um, As time goes on and more come out... And we start seeing well, the competition. Look, as, as one thing I would really like to point out to people, uh, the Galaxy Tab, uh, as, uh, like, as a unit, the second I picked it up, because it's funny, everyone, because I sell iPads so you know, rigorously at work, just expect me to hate everything. I picked up the tablet and held the 7-inch in my hand and went, that is a beautiful size. Like a 7-inch tablet sits perfectly in your hand, and for everything apart from writing, like sitting down and actually typing out a large amount of writing, it is so beautiful. Because 7 inches is literally like this big. Mm -hmm. So it's that wide, and it's about that tall. It sits perfectly in your hand, and you you are just... Doing everything on a page, the resolution is good enough for you to read web pages. You know, you can mm-hmm. easily access books and stuff like that. Sales like- have been very strong on it, so yeah. people are obviously agreeing with that as well. Uh, the biggest issue that the Galaxy Tab has is its price tag, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that it has to have a 3G connection. The fact that you have to get the subscription connection on it. Uh, if they would release a Wi-Fi only model and cheaper. I think they might have a real competitor there. You know mm. what I mean? Um, I know a lot of people who are actually buying 3G iPads and not ever activating the 3G. And why are they doing that? Because they want the... Um, Option. No, no. They want the uh, GPS. GPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're buying it for the GPS, but they, never, they just run it on MiFi's or on Wi-Fi, you know? Well, because the other thing that I find interesting is uh, you remember last year was Wii's Christmas, uh, dude. Like, Nintendo owned... Christmas. Mm. It was the number one product. This year is iPads, man. Yeah. Without question. predictable. Like, seriously, 90% of what I sell at the moment over the counter in quick sales is just iPads. Mm. It's an iPad, it's a case, and maybe a SIM card, and that's it. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even talk to them. They know what they want, they come and they grab it. And this is the beauty of where we've got with this. It's like Apple wants to win the market. This is what's going to get them that point. It's really interesting as well. I think it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting phenomenon releasing the iPad when they released it because now, of course, anything you buy at this moment in time is going to be considered, quote-unquote, obsolete in three months because in March, the iPad 2 will come out. Exactly. And so you sit there and go, it's really, you would have thought they would have released the iPad close to Christmas, mm. had that initial boom, and then it would have petered off for the next Christmas season. You know what yep. I mean? So they could release the next one. So it seems like odd timing to me. But that's, yep. that's Apple. What can I tell you? 
Okay, so aside from the big Chrome announcement, the other thing that's been going on this week, of course, is more continuing stuff about WikiLeaks. And we'll come back to that in the news because there's something in particular I wanted to talk about that. Uh, But other than those two particular items, uh, the only other piece of relevant news I think that has happened this week that is relevant to us is the fact that the attorney generals actually finally had their meeting. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I'm skipping ahead in the show notes here. Yeah, I've got no idea. I'm skipping ahead because we kind of started with this impromptu news section. So we'll get this out of the way and then we'll come back to the fun stuff. But uh, just right off the head, the Australian federal government came out this week and basically said they support the R rating. So they came out and they said that it makes economic sense. It makes sense uh, because basically they get more games through the door. It makes uh, political sense because it would help protect children from not being able to buy harder uh, edge stuff because it would have an R. All the arguments that we've been saying for years, the federal government, the Australian federal government said, yes, we will support an R rating 100%. They also had that study that we talked about last week. Remember, they, the government did their own study. Oh, and the study came back saying no harm will be done. Yeah. And they said no problem. So, the Australian, so everything is go. All we are waiting for is the state and federal attorneys general to have a consensual agreement. They had their meeting on the 10th, and the final result of it was... They still haven't decided because apparently the Western Australian um, attorney general is now the holdout. And it's not that he said no. He just said that he wants to go talk to his his constituents. And and I want to make a plea to all of our Australian nerds. Just sit back for a minute and just think this doesn't mean no. So don't go mental and don't prove the point. We keep coming back to this. So many people are pissed off about this. This is not a bad thing. Think about what we just accomplished. We, as gamers, not only... We've done so much work towards this, and we all deserve a little pat on the Mm. back because we've just pushed and pushed and pushed. But in reality, even if we don't win this, we stopped their conversation. Absolutely. We stopped the meeting to the point where they just couldn't say no. Like, this guy could not just sit there and go... I'm going to try and win the opposite vote. Mm. I'm going to do this. He's had to go, look, man, I'll admit, I don't know what's going on here. I'm going back, and I need to talk about this with people. Now, to be fair, according to the report that was in uh, news.com.au, yeah. apparently the, posi- the meeting was very positive. Mm. They were all very positive, yeah. and everybody That's is, is looking heard. at it going, it looks like this is a good, a good idea, and it looks like it might happen. The Western Australian, uh, let's face it. Governor, the attorney generals are elected, and the attorney general has gone back to his constituency just to see. He's doing a, a, an analysis, basically, see how many votes this is going to lose him. Yeah, is what it's going to come down to. They are meeting again early next year, and hopefully by then we will know one way or the other. According yeah. to our chat room, Delta Knight, uh, sorry, Callison says that the federal government is also pressuring the Western Australian attorney general to agree to it. Yeah. So all systems are go, and I my prediction is I'm putting a prediction right now. My prediction is early next year there will be an R rating introduced into this country Look, for I think, video games. I, I think, think it's inevitable now. Yeah. No, <clears throat> I think we've got too far into this, and there's too much supporting it this time. They can't pull the card that they pulled last time and basically throw us into the wind and say we need conversation from other people it's like with the amount of knowledge we've dropped on them in the last little while with the amount of uh, huge shout out by the way to kataku who is oh, uh, yes, an australian sure. site who um the actual guy uh mark cyrus that runs that place um has just jumped on this with full force and the man the, if you want someone to thank for all of this mm-hmm. this is who you should go to because this is the man that pushed everything through i mean he was with other people but this is the guy that went Let's just stop sitting around and waiting on this. Let's 
make sure that we start something going. So Absolutely. it's like it's really good from the gamers' side anyway. We also have to thank the uh, politician who uh, stood up for us as well. Oh, Kate Lundy. Kate Lundy. Oh, Kate Lundy, you're a goddess. Yeah. Um, so look, everything is really positive at this point. I think uh, it's the first time I've actually sat back from one of these R rating stories and gone, wow, I actually feel like things might be going in the right well, direction. Well, I also feel like we've been treated seriously. We're being treated like the, people. Yeah, so. exactly. That's the important part for me is the fact that they've sat down and basically gone, hey, look, let's think about this. And it's Ooh. just like, thank God. Absolutely. We get some, like, I mean, the whole thing is they're asking us to be, you know, normal and controlled and sane and then treat us like children. It's like, it's very <laughs> difficult not to feel mildly condescended to on that. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, we, yeah, as I say, everybody just be cool at this point. All yep. right. That's the most important thing is everybody just be cool. Don't let down vigilance, but be cool. Yeah. Okay, that's really absolutely it. impending robot apocalypse news, Josh. <laughs> I love these stories. All let's three let's of them bring are it fantastic. back and let's just say I think it is a bad idea. And I'm just going to play this video in the background. Um, the guy is talking, but I think we'll just lower the volume here and play it in the background so we can keep talking. I think it's a bad idea, and I don't know. See if you agree with me. I think it's a bad idea to teach robots how to debone animals with knives. Yeah, that's... The fourth robot awards held at the National Museum of Emerging Science and Technology. <laughs> Top prize in the small business and venture category went to... That looks dangerous, that does. <laughs> an automatic hand-boning robot... I just reminded all our audio listeners you can find this video on our show notes at geekactually.com. And now what we've got here is a robot that is literally, with precision, carving the meat off the bone. But Mike Hauer has successfully incorporated these techniques into the processing methods, actions, and structure. What a good idea. Automating the task. And makes them much more efficient killers, is all yeah. I can say. They can much... <laughs> the eviscerator. I like it. Well done, Zed. Zed, you're new. Welcome to the chat room. Um, so, yes, I think that's a very bad idea, teaching yep. robots how to carve with knives. Mm. Um, but this part really got me. All right. Um, you know those little quad motor drones? We've yeah, talked about them. We've talked about them before. Well, they're, the little quad motor drones can also be used for espionage, spying, and all yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff because they're really stable, very quiet. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a new Connect hack, and the new Connect hack is somebody's actually attached a Connect to a quad rotor drone to make itself aware of its uh, surroundings, so it is now autonomous using the 3D cameras, so it can actually register its events. And this is what it looks like. Tell me if this doesn't terrify you. Oh, wow. (laughs) Isn't that just awesome looking? So with its Connect 3D sensor, it has now become autonomous. Nobody has to control it anymore. And if you watch this video through, and I've actually cut this video back, but if you watch this video through, you can actually see this is what it's seeing. looks a little Terminator-like to me. Dude, it looks like something (laughs) out of Terminator 2. So, uh, uh, yeah, it is pretty awesome. And it actually will detect its surroundings, so it'll detect altitude. It'll detect uh, things blocking its path. So if you actually put something in its path, it'll stop. Wait for it to move and then continue on its path. It can actually judge where it's, its height, its speed, and everything else from its digital surroundings. It is so Terminator-like. It is awesome. <laughs> it's, I have to say that there is a part of me, though, that does think that's an amazing piece of technology. Now, the question I have is how effective is the AR drone at being a killing machine? 
Yeah. So, you know, what would be, what would be the prerequisites for uh, an AR drone to be a killing machine? Uh, it would have to be quite fast. It would have to be quite fast. It, it would ha- have to be uh, able to move and navigate quite effectively. That's true. It'd and it would very, have to be very... Lots of dexterity. Lots of dexterity, and it'd have to be able to aim well. So. All right, so how about this? This is a little... This is, uh, this is an AR drone on its day off, basically, and they're just having a look at, you know, having some fun with it. And so here you go. Have a look at this one. It's playing hacky sack. Oh, Jesus. That's not the one with the camera, though, right? No, no, no. This is just a, a straight AR drone. So one would assume that there's a controller on this one. But oh, it won't be long, how, though. Look how fast that thing moves, though. I want one of those things, man. Is that not awesome? It's, for our audio listeners, it's an AR drone that's bouncing a hacky sack off of its head and literally zipping around to match up its moves and catch it. It's pretty impressive stuff. So they're pretty fast. So it won't be long until they're sneaking in our windows and killing us in our sleep, I think. So, you know, it's, you know yeah. with a little knife attachment on the front so they can carve us up. <laughs> just wake up and our liver will be gone. You know, these, you know, people are going to miss the robot apocalypse news over Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's scary. But, you know, it's not only robots that can actually hurt you. According to an article, uh, the droid in America, or a droid, I shouldn't say the droid because it's, uh, so far it's an isolated event, but a droid, uh, when a guy was actually using it, exploded in his head, exploded in his ear. Um, so basically he was on the phone and he was in the middle of do it talking and he heard a popping sound and he thought that's weird and kept talking and then he felt wet on the side of his head so he thought he should, but the, mind you, the phone was still working after all of this. And what had actually happened was the phone had exploded into his ear. Oh, Jesus. All right. And Josh just brought a picture up for our chat room. It's a bit disturbing. But it says, uh, it says he, he said that he was listening on the phone. He heard a loud pop. And then he felt something trickling down his face. Turned out it was blood. Um, his ear then began to bleed profusely. And he was immediately taken to the emergency room at Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas. He received four stitches and said there was no, no hearing loss. Oh, thank Christ. Uh, well, that's good. Like, yeah, that's good. So the good news is there's no hearing loss. The glass on the face of the Motorola droids smartphone apparently shattered he said he had just purchased it two days ago uh, and the phone still appears to be functioning right so we don't know why it just shattered but it just popped in his ear i uh sorry kellisons but i would definitely be uh getting someone to take a photo of me uh if i had had my ear explode due Damn to straight. use of a phone uh, it's, because it's called i'll be suing claim. the fucking yeah. shit out of that company man yeah it's called insurance claim it's like when you have a car accident before you take the car in to get it repaired you take photos of the car yeah. as soon as possible um yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and Arseface has got it right i think they would have taken the photo because in the background it does look like a hospital it looks very hallway. medical yeah it's uh yeah. so yeah i just thought that was really weird so next time you're there there is a reason why when i talk on the phone a lot i talk in the headset mm. Um, I don't actually feel comfortable. Also, I sweat when I'm talking. My ear sweats on the phone. I don't know mm. that. So I often wear a headset when I'm talking on the phone anyway. But there is another reason. Yeah, well, it would have <laughs> fired into your leg or into <laughs> It would have exploded in my pocket. <laughs> it's like, whatever. But, you know, that's just weird. And I'd love to know what caused it. I'd love to know what actually Dude, I it. hope there's follow-up to that. I'll be interested to see what can explode. Has anybody fire. got follow-up in the chat room? Because I haven't. As to what actually caused it. Mm. Mm, who knows? Anyway, so somebody's uh, Callison says seems like the bloody phone would be proof enough. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. But anyway, okay, let's move on and let's talk about the WikiLeaks thing. Now we're not actually talking about the WikiLeaks thing because, as I said last week, the whole thing bores the crap out of me at this point. But what is actually more interesting than WikiLeaks right now is what is going on 
tech-wise, what is going on with 4chan and so forth. Yeah. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to say 4chan's awesome. And I love you guys, all right? Yeah. So I'm not trying to bag you out or anything like that. And in fact, this is not an anti-4chan story in any way, shape, or form. Now, you wonder, may wonder why I'm saying that. It's because 4chan has a lot of power. But, but not just that. I actually do think they're awesome. Mm. But what is interesting is a Swiss bank was taken offline this week. Literally was taken offline. Now, this is not actually 4chan. We have to make this very clear that this is not 4chan doing this. This is users of 4chan, oh, okay? Of and yeah. there are always subgroups and everything else. And it made me think today, everybody in the media is talking about DDoS attacks and, and so forth. And I thought maybe it was our responsibility at this point, Josh, to try and explain a little bit mm. what a DDoS attack is and yeah. how you pull off a DDoS attack. And the reason why I really wanted to bring it up was because there's an article in the paper this week that's talking about the LOIC, L-O-I-C, which for those who don't know what it means, it actually stands for Low Orbit Ion Cannon. Such a yeah. geek name. It's not really a cannon at all. It's a piece of software that is for doing DDoS attacks. Yeah. Now, this uh, piece of software, uh, so before we talk about what the LOIC is, let's talk about what a DDoS attack is. It stands mm. for Distributed Denial of Service. Yeah. And it's basically when you hit a website so many times from so many different locations at a single moment that it yeah. literally crashes out that computer, just yeah. brings down the server. That's yeah. in a very simplified term, but that's what they're basically doing. So when a bunch of people get pissed off at a site or whatever might happen, they DDoS a site basically as a protest. Um, now, DDoS attacks can happen in a couple of ways. First of all, it can happen by, you may have heard the term before, bots mm. uh, or zombie computers where people say my computer got hacked and turned into a botnet. That basically means your computer, one of the hacks that can come over the internet is that your computer gets remote remote controlled by a main server and then that server basically attacks a site using all the bots under its command um, to to bring down a website well the loic or low orbit ion cannon is kind of the next step on that this is a piece of software that you choose to install um, it is free and it has been designed it runs on windows mac and linux mm. Um, and basically, it works as a hive mind. And yeah. you have the software installed. You join uh, a group. So if somebody puts out a message on whatever board they might, excuse me, might be on and say, we're going after these people. And if you choose to be part of that attack, you mm. then point your Loic uh, client at their server. They then take control of it. And they can then use all the computers at their disposal yeah. to basically hammer a site, which is exactly what happened to the Swiss bank mm. and was brought down. They also attacked MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal. Yeah. Now, as far as I understand, pay, uh, MasterCard and Visa voluntarily just went offline for a brief moment because they, weren't, yeah. they didn't want to be hit by this thing. Yeah. And they're still working fine. PayPal was hit and apparently survived it. So it shows yeah. you how robust, uh, robust the eBay servers are because they survived the attack. Um, but the whole reason why they're being attacked is because it is a protest against the um, arrest of the head of WikiLeaks, um, mm. whose name has suddenly gone out of my head. Uh, it's a very Frenchy-sounding name. What is his name? Oh, my God. It's got out of my name. Somebody uh, help in the chat room. Help me out. Um, what, the, uh, the guy that Estrange? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one I'm looking for. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway uh, Assange. Thank you. Assange, why does that go out of my head all of a sudden? Mm. Uh, uh, because Assange was arrested in, in England this yeah. week. Um, now, I've actually heard two reports. One report says he went to London and was arrested. And I heard another report that says he voluntarily went into the police station. Yeah, yeah. And they arrested him. Whichever way that story was told, he has been now arraigned without bail because they think he's a flight risk and they're waiting to find out what the Swedes want to do. 
yeah. because of this rape case, this rape allegation that is against him. Now, uh, can I make this very clear? And I think we need to make this very, very, very clear for anybody who is not quite sure of this. Whether you agree or disagree with what WikiLeaks is doing by releasing yeah. all this material, technically, under the letter of the law, WikiLeaks has not broken any, any law, law at no. this point. Absolutely not. Assange's charge, what he's been arrested on, is a personal thing. This yep. is an allegation of rape. Now, yep. that's a whole different issue. And a very interesting one at that. And a very interesting one at that because it's been dropped and it's been brought up and it's been dropped. And it's like, is, this a, is it a conspiracy? Who knows? We don't know anything about that. All we know is that he is arrested on those allegations of rape. Yeah. What WikiLeaks is doing is not illegal. So when Amazon pulled the plug on them going onto their servers and said, you know, our terms of service say we can't do anything that is willfully breaking the law, they weren't. No. They weren't willfully breaking the law. All yeah. right. So this whole thing is a beat up. What is really interesting about the whole WikiLeaks thing, and I think this is probably where we'll leave it unless you've got something to say, but really what it comes down to is what I find most fascinating is the fact that the first and second batches of leaks that WikiLeaks put out, which were all about the Afghan war and the Iraq mm. war, and yes, everybody got mad and hot under the collar and so forth, but that was it. Yeah. This last batch that has come out is the batch where everybody has lost their fucking minds over. Yeah. All right? And yeah. what is it about? It's about the banks. It's about the people who are involved behind the scenes. Yeah. As soon as you start getting into business and you start mm. messing with those money people, and it's about Bank of America apparently has mentioned a few times, yeah. and you sit there and look at it and go, now people suddenly stand up and go, oh, my God, you can't release that stuff. It's like mm. So it's really interesting that this is the batch that has really upset people. Well, I mean, it's also funny because you see the, the backlash that comes from things like this, and it's just like um, 4chan is a really interesting beast, and it always has been. I mean, it's a collection of people that mm. you know are um, usually quite homebred, and uh, don't usually get out very much. Homebred, but, I like the way you put um, but what I find really interesting about them is they just have this undeniable need to fight anything that they just think is wrong. Mm. And can you really hate them for that? No, and I think sometimes they go overboard. I, I love you guys, but I sometimes think you go overboard. But on the most part, I think what they're doing is right. You and know? this is my problem. is like part of me wants to be kind of like, guys, simmer down. But part of me kind of turns around and goes, just remind everyone. Like, I mean, there is a part of me that goes, this is a thing that, you know, these hive-minded ideas, things like WikiLeaks and stuff like that, which, you know, collaborations of lots of people and things like this. You can't just like pull people out on things that... Um, how, how much do we actually know about this charge? Because I've read like nine different stories. Oh, that's, the, that's the problem, is that it, it, it is all over the place. Because now somebody in chat room is saying that apparently the US want to try and get him extradited to the States for charges. Charges on what? Yeah. You didn't commit any crimes in America. Well, this is the know? whole thing, and the only charge that I've been able to find. And <laughs> Sorry, I've just brought up a leak on the. I've just brought up a leak, a link on the page for Josh to have a look at. Somebody in the chat room just put this in. Uh, it's from news.com.au that basically says, adding insult to injury, Amazon, who kicked off WikiLeaks, yeah. mind you, is now selling excerpts of the WikiLeaks cables in ebook format. Oh wow, that is terrible. Oh my god. All right. <sighs> No, as far as I'm aware, the charges against him at this point are only – America wants to bring forth espionage charges. I know I've heard that one. Yeah, no, around, no, no. But this nothing is... is official yet. There are no real charges at this point. All and I know, how can it be espionage? I'm not quite sure. I, look, if you're going to arrest Assange on espionage charges, you have to arrest Woodward and Bernstein for espionage charges for unleashing Watergate on the world. You know, It's not – reporting the news is not a crime. 
the person who leaked the leaks to WikiLeak in the first place, that private whatever his name is, mm. okay, he might be brought up on charges of giving out top secret information. But the fact that Assange and WikiLeaks got that information, mm. that's not the illegal part. Yeah. They've got the information, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a very, very interesting situation. I do monitor it closely. We don't talk about it a lot in the show because, really, it gets really heavy in places. And it's very – also, you don't really want to report on speculation. I can't stand reporting on speculation. I want facts. Mm. And at the moment, there are so few facts as to yeah. what is going on because everybody's telling a different story. Exactly. And it bugs the hell out of me. Yeah, so, no, I'm really curious to get to the bottom of this because there's a part of me that just wants to know – sort of who's in the wrong and what level of things have gone wrong because the fact that America's trying to get them on espionage charges, do they know something we don't? Is there a level of sort of information? Yeah, there's, something, be- there's something they know that we don't, which is that those documents are going to put a lot of people behind, behind bars and they don't want to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's just such an interesting thing because, like, WikiLeaks has always been around uh, for, you know, quite a while now, and it's just been there, and it's been doing its thing, and it's just like, all of a sudden, somebody prods it a little too hard, and just the world explodes. Uh, I am face in the chat room says, how reliable are these rape allegations, though? They're not. That's the problem. They have been on and off and on and off again. We've already well, had these charges dropped. Yeah, and then brought back again. So we have no idea what, how reliable these rape charges are. Yeah, no, it's it's a very interesting, in, like because they're following it so hard as well. It's like they want him back for those charges, mm. and it's like that's not a normal thing. It's like you don't follow someone over four countries for something like that. It's like there's so much. Yeah, and then so last many. week we heard a report that he was hiding out in a bunker in Switzerland. Um, which we made jokes about saying, oh, the Swiss, of course, he'll be yeah. protected there. And then the next day, we hear that he's walking into a police station and turning himself over. And you sit there and go, I get the feeling <sighs> this guy is not the, you know, tyrannical sort of like hate monger that everybody... I think he's a weirdo. I mean, I've seen interviews with him. He is oh, a weirdo. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Assange no is a very strange guy. Yeah. You know? And even the people who run WikiLeaks, all the people who work there, are kind of turning against him a little bit because he is a very strange guy. Yeah. But... Let's separate Assange from WikiLeaks. I think what yeah. WikiLeaks does is a very valuable resource. Mm. I think Assange might be actually doing WikiLeaks a lot of harm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so there's no denying that he's a strange person, and I don't know what his deal is, but um, he's all over the place at the moment. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's – and it says here he comes from Townsville. Well, that explains a lot. That no. explains a whole lot. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> all right, moving right along. We've just insulted all of our people from Townsville. That's good. Love right. Townsville. Um, so, yeah, so uh, if anybody says, do you want to put the Loic program onto your computer, I would actually say probably not a good idea. Yeah, no, no, point, don't unless do that. Unless you really want to get involved in all this. Now, there is one interesting part of the article about the Loic um, piece of software that I thought was very interesting, though, which is very few people are actually caught. Uh, in a DDoS attack, and the reason why they're not caught in a DDoS, the, the client computers are not caught in a DDoS attack, is because the idea is to bring the computer down so fast that all logs are lost, mm, mm. so that uh, there is no log as to who all the slave computers were, yeah. uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. The only problem is if you hit somebody like PayPal who doesn't go down, what happens then? You know, um, and they haven't actually you mentioned. You start that. getting an interesting letter in the mail going, hey, guess what? Guess what? Your computer was detected yeah. <laughs> on a DDoS attack. 
Yeah. No. All right. So, um, yes, and uh, Delta Knight says every in our chat room says everyone is trying to make a big deal out of this so they can release more news articles about it. I true. I I feel like this is it's being turned into a huge news story just so we can talk about news. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, this is one of the reasons why we've kind of avoided it for the last few weeks. Am I? Anyway. So every uh, time we talk about it for two minutes, it ends up being like twenty. Yeah, it does. So let's move on and talk about uh, how big is the software piracy problem uh, in the world, Josh. Because, you know, there's all these different reports about software piracy and people sit there and go, oh, it's huge. It's gigantic. Everybody, you know, the world is coming to an end because all this software is pirated. Other people say it really isn't that big an impact. Well, a test was done. And I thought this was really neat. This was on Gizmodo. Delta Knight sent us this link. So thank you very much, Delta. And it was just really neat. It was from um, PC Pro did this survey. Um, what they did was they took a piece of the software, excuse me, from Avast, the mm. antivirus software. Yeah. And they, they monitored a particular, they tracked a particular piece of software because it was a purchased piece of software. And what they noticed on their servers was the same serial number coming up a couple of times. And they thought rather than just block it, which is what they would normally do, they actually let it live. Yeah. And they just wanted to track it and see what would happen. What they discovered was that it was first purchased by a 14-user firm in Arizona. From there, it landed on enough file-sharing sites to top out at 774,651 users spread over 200 countries. Wow. According to Avast, two of the computers that installed the program were Vatican City. Oh, shit, no way. <laughs> All right. Now, it says the plug's now been pulled. Uh, basically, if somebody tried to in, uh, install it now, they get a pop-up that says, you should buy the full version, you know, mm. um, and so forth. But they wanted to track it over the course of a period of time to see what would actually happen uh, and see how far it goes. But that gives you an idea. And it also kind of the, – the part that I thought was the scary part of that whole story is that they can track it. Yeah. You know, and that's the part that's really scary where you go – every time you get that pirated piece of software and you go, oh, I'll just put it in the serial number – Everything is attached to the internet in some mm. way or another. So this is a good argument for those blockers that actually block <laughs> firewall blockers that actually block traffic out. This is the whole reason I started paying for software. Absolutely. Like I mean, they just got to the point where it's like you're taking a risk and you're rolling a dice on something, and this isn't like a CD or a DVD or something like that. It's not like you've got mm. you know um, a file that you've burnt for your own personal use or something like that. You're stealing a piece of software which is worth a lot of money, and then you're actively using it for day-to-day use with someone else's serial key in there with no backup if anyone followed up on you. If someone walks into your house and goes, you've pirated that software, you have no authority to stand on. You are just screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I used to – and look, I, at one point in my sordid past, uh, I think my PC didn't have a genuine piece of software on it. Mm. Um, and over the course of the years as I've gotten older, in particular, I've got to say this is a weird thing, but particularly since I went Mac, mm. um, I tend to buy everything. Mm. Now, you know, I even saved my pennies and bought Final Cut for all $1,600 or whatever it yeah. was at the time. And, you know, you sit there and, and, like, I really want to get Aperture 3 at the moment, but it's $100 and something dollars for the upgrade, and I just haven't bought it. Now, I could find it online, absolutely, but I don't want to. Yeah. You know? And it's one of those weird things. And the other two things I would, two things that kind of I did go against a while ago when I was younger, but now I would actually stand by the argument that there are two things on your computer that should never be pirated. An the OS. Two, an OS and your virus protection. Yeah. These are the two things that you don't skimp on. Because yeah. your OS is what everything is running on, and your virus protection is protecting everything that's being run on there. So those are two things that I would say you never pirate. Mm. Um, and if you do, you're taking your, your own life and your own risk, and don't ask for technical support. It's as simple as that. 
Uh, okay, yes, they, according to Delta, yeah, they were tracking a certain serial key. What else we got in there? Mac piracy, uh, wanted to, yeah, okay, you guys are not really going, yeah, okay, good. Okay, good, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry, just, can't, just catching up with the chat room. Um, all right, so uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the far out, freaky, and brilliant minds of inventors. And I love the far out, freaky minds of, of inventors. And all I can say is if you are missing an arm, who wouldn't want to have this tentacle? Isn't this the most amazing thing you've ever seen? It basically is a fully articulated tentacle that can wrap itself around things, so to open doorknobs, lift bottles, pick up keys, what have you. It uh, offers the user much more control. And once again, the pictures in the article are in our show notes, and you can find them all there. Um, but yeah, this thing is awesome. It's just you look at it and go, "Wow!" I can just picture in the future somebody with you know like tentacle hands, and and we're going to come to another invention in a minute, which will actually, oh. Military applications alone is just amazing. <laughs> you know, I can sit there. I can start going on forever. But I think this is really, really awesome. But more awesome than that, if anybody – and I'm going to get mocked. I'm going to get ridiculed. I know and I don't care. I watch Glee. Okay? I like Glee. I think Glee is a fun show with fun characters. But I don't. Yeah, that's fine. And that's, that's, all, cool. and that's good for you. But in Glee, this week's episode of Glee, at the very end, Artie, the boy who's in the wheelchair, gets given exoskeleton legs. <laughs> now, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who went, oh, you know, that's just kind of science fiction-y. Well, have a look at this. It turns out that those artificial legs that he was given are real, and they are an Israeli invention. And here they are. So what we got here is a, a man who's now walking. His legs are completely paralyzed, and the video is kind of quiet in the background. So I'll just leave the image playing, and I'll explain. He, it doesn't actually just walk for you. It's not like brain-powered or anything. Like that. You have a control on your arm that allows to sit, uh, sit, stand, walk upstairs, what have you. And you actually control it. So you turn it on, say, I'm going to walk. Yeah. Push the button for walk, and then you lean forward, and it starts to walk. When you hit the stairs, you push the button that says stair, lean forward, it takes a step up, yeah. and so forth. It's still very early days. You still need crutches to walk with it. But this is people, these are people who have no control over their legs, mm. who are now given the ability to stand and walk. And as this guy, gentleman says, who is the inventor of it, said one of the most important factors of the whole thing is about self-esteem. Think about it. You're a grown man who lives his life at the height of a child, and you're always looking at somebody's belly button. Mm, this mm. gives you the ability to stand up. Yeah. You know? And that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. And so I think this is such a neat thing. Now, if you want a pair of these bionic legs, they are going to set you back $10,000. They're not cheap. Yeah. Um, but – and you can't wear them all the time because they do have to charge. There's a battery pack that you have to wear. But all I could say is this is the beginning. Mm. Over time, we're going to see this get smaller and smaller and smaller and more powerful. Until it's integrated into the legs. And they'll start surgically like, putting it in, yeah. and we will end up having people walking again. I think it is amazing stuff, and I think it is fantastic. And it's really fun, and it's really ironic. Somebody points out in our chat room that the inventor himself doesn't have mm. the ability to use these legs because yeah. he also doesn't have full control of his arms. And because he doesn't have full control of his arms, he can't actually use the crutches, which means he can never use his own invention, which is kind yeah. of sad yeah. in a way. But still, great invention and fantastic stuff. So um, I'm just glad I have use of my legs. I think it would be horrible not to be able to walk. <laughs> uh, last week, Josh, let's move into some gadgets and say last week we actually uh, talked about – no, not last week. Two weeks ago, we talked about the Tron mouse. Yeah. 
Well, here is now the Daft Punk-inspired Tron headset. So now you can get the Daft Punk-inspired Tron headset. Well, who's the brand? What's the brand? Uh, I will find out for you. Hold on. Let's have a look here. Uh, Okay. Bringing it up. That's the article's from uh, Geekology. Mm -hmm. And it says, uh, headphones because uh, my left ear two inches low. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Move on. Uh, Overpriced HDMI cable. Who cares? Don't move on. They cost $350 and are the result of Monster slash Disney mashup. Oh, wow. Monster. Okay. Cool. So there you go. There's the Daft Punk, official Daft Punk (laughs) Tron Legacy headphones. So they'll only set you back $350, but what the hell? (laughs) Still, it's cheaper than Beats headphones. The Dr. Dre ones. And these ones glow in the dark. So, yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Now, the other one that I thought was a really neat little gadget was this. Now... For a long time, we've been dealing with batteries, and we're always trying to come up with the new battery issue, and we're always trying to come up with the new power source and so forth. Well, Japanese researchers have been working on something called a kinetic battery, and it's capable of, kinetic, uh, of generating energy. So basically, it's a kinetic battery, but basically, it's a little generator in your pocket, mm-hmm. and it's capable of generating more uh, energy than ever of anything of this kind, uh, though it, through only just the slightest vibrations. So as you walk, move around, this thing is actually getting kinetic energy, and it's charging up. It cranks out 22 milliwatts. Now, milliwatts, you sit there and go, that's a really minuscule power mm. but think about it uh those little tiny watch batteries and stuff don't put out much more than that so this mm. is designed for very small appliances because it's a little generator in your pocket but look it's really little wow so this is a little tiny kinetic battery um now if all goes well and they can put this to market you can imagine this will start going into things like cell phones or or mm. watches so mm. you never have to change your watch battery again yeah. and stuff like that or and i can imagine stuff like that going into things like usb keys so they can become self-powered yeah. keys and stuff like that, you know? Well, not only that, um, the uses of just things like uh, a backup battery in a phone, like that yeah. would be really important. It's like just the thing to make sure that all your s- settings continue because obviously your phone goes dead, you've got nowhere to charge it, you're out all day. If you throw it in your bag, it's still moving around, all your data stays on. When you turn it back on, you don't get that, hey, turn, you know, give me the uh, date and what time it is and let's start over. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, things like that could be really useful. Um, okay, we're going we're gonna to jump over a couple of these stories because we actually went very long on that news section and we need to get to um, our iOS apps. Mm. So we're going to skip over a couple of stuff, which was all kind of fluff and fill anyway. But I do want to say <clears throat> very, very quickly, and I think we've uh, pretty much know the, uh, the full story on that. Well, no, I shouldn't say we know the full story. We kind of already know a lot of these rumors already, but I just thought I'd bring it up real quickly. Tristan from our chat room sent us a feedback, which is very long, and I can't read it all right now, but apparently it talked about uh, the, the crux of the email is it says that uh, in answer to when we were talking about the Panasonic Jungle last mm. week, said that we might be interested to know that that PlayStation phone, there's been a lot more movement on that. Yeah. And he said it's now being called the Sony Ericsson Zeus Z1. And uh, it's been spotted in the wild. Uh, and there is actually uh, a, photo, a new photo of it, which I showed Josh earlier in the week, which looks a little bit like this. And as we pointed out, it still doesn't have two control sticks. Um, but uh, we actually have more detail on it, such as it's now uh, they're saying it's uh, running the latest version of Android. Mm. Uh, so it will be an which is an- a terrible idea for gaming. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, out. granted. Uh, so it's going to be running the latest version of Android, uh, which is Gingerbread, uh, which is coming out soon. And there's actually screenshots of this phone where it actually has the details of its operating system. It does indeed say Gingerbread on it. The most important thing I thought was very interesting was after I read his email, because he sent this photo through and some mm-hmm. other links, and we'll have these links in the show notes, uh, was that 
when the developers who recently this week got the build of Gingerbread, the new version of Android operating system, one of the things that leads a little bit of uh, credence to these rumors that this is a real phone is apparently there are PlayStation calls in the new Android operating mm. system. And they noticed that they have uh, placed a PSP or PS, I think it was actually PS3, PS3 calls. Mm. in the new operating system. So that kind of does give a bit of weight behind this, that it is being written straight into the operating system. So thank you very much, Tristan. And I do apologize for not reading the whole email. It's very long. I just want to bring up just one thing, and I know we're running quite late, so I'll try and keep this to, sure. uh, to you know, sort of... If running um, late, who ever worried, worried about running late? Um, what I don't like about this whole system that's happening with Apple doing Apple phones and so on and so forth and the PSP making a phone is I have a phone. But I like to game on every console. Like, every time we get new games, I'm in the games industry. Mm. I want to keep up with gaming. I can't have three phones. It's true. So, what well, Whereas with Apple made the very smart move, which was they made an iPod Touch. Exactly. Which is just like an iPhone, basically, without the phone element of it. So Exactly. So I just hope PSP realizes, right, that they may have to bring out two models of this. Or sell it outright at a reasonable price. So just oh, keep well, that they, in mind. Or whether they just keep the PSP Go on the market as well, but in a new model. Yeah, well, if they do that, they're fucked. <laughs> no, oh, I actually right. mean that. They are, they are totally screwed. Yeah, because but I think PlayStation, uh, Sony has been kind of fucked for a while now. I mean, that's no, because if you're going to keep the Go on the market, you've got to realize you're not opening for advancement. You're trying to keep the same console running. This thing's technology is far too old to be fucking around anymore. That's true. Fix your shit. Fix your shit. All right. Um, now, just very quickly, before we get onto this app that we want to talk about, we're doing something slightly different today. We're not doing picks of the week for our apps because there is really only one app we want to talk about. But before we get to that, um, an article came out, and I pulled the app down yesterday, but I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. And I just thought I would uh, very quickly mention that there is a new app online called Online Games Viewer. And for those who don't know what online is, it is that uh, service where you can play. It's a dedicated you play the games online. You don't actually have to have the game on your computer. It's all played in browser, mm-hmm. basically. The online games viewer is kind of neat because it allows you to be a spectator. And so yeah. anywhere you are, you can just tap in and watch games in progress. With Wi-Fi. With Wi-Fi. You, you tap in and you watch those games in progress. And I think that's a really neat idea because I like spectating on games. You know, watch somebody's game and play. Uh, so that's kind of neat. And the other thing I thought I'd bring up was this very quickly because it is the season to be jolly. Uh, now, before I go on with this, I'm just going to say yes. And before the chat room jumps up and down and says, oh, you know, it sounds too teeny or it sounds this. Forget all that. Think about what they're achieving. All right. This is a group called the um, iBand. They are a church group. I understand all that and I understand all the issues behind it. But look at what they're doing. This is they got up and they performed for an audience Christmas carols only on iDevices. So there's iPhones and a bunch of iPads. And this is what they got to achieve. Now, if you want, if you're interested in what they're actually using, if you go to the link in our show notes, you can actually find all the bits of software that they're actually using on all these iPads. So all the various iPads have different software on them, and they're all experts at their particular And watch these guys groove out. They're having a lot of fun with this.
All right, you got to admit that is pretty awesome stuff. It's more than pretty awesome. That's just fantastic. Now that video actually goes on for another four minutes or something like that. They actually do three Christmas carols in total, mm. and they rock out on each one. I've cut it down because it, uh, that's Choir of the Bells is quite frankly one of my favorite Christmas carols anyway. So I thought that's awesome. So I thought that was fantastic, and it just shows you what a bunch of people can do with iPads. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and it's iPads and iPhones. There's a couple of iPhones in there too. And somebody said the guitar sounds really good. The guitar was an iPhone. Yeah, there was a guy exactly. in the background with an iPhone. So and the bass. I can't believe the bassist was on a pad, though. Yeah, that really surprised me. I didn't see that coming. That's a really, really awesome stuff. And that leads us into the app of the week. And we've only got one app of the week that we're going to talk about this week, Josh. And I'm going to hand it right over to you for this because you've actually had more time with it than I have. All right. Well, look. Um, I think when we all originally played and talked about uh, the app, which was our app of the week at the time, which was Epic Citadel, mm-hmm. um, we were all very impressed. Uh, graphically, it's probably the most amazing thing we've seen on the actual unit. Yes. Um, it it's plays, an amazing demo. Exactly. It plays very well. The graphics are really good. Lighting's amazing. You know, physics are well handled. Like, everything seemed to just work. Um, and we've been waiting a long time for Epic Citadel to become Infinity Blade. Um, there's an interesting thing happening where most people will admit that it's good. Most people are giving it five stars. The ones that don't like it wanted something different. And I think Dave feels the same way. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, it's, in my opinion, and in only my opinion, it is the right of the developer to bring out whatever game they want, right? And if we wanted something different, that doesn't make it a worse app. Mm. It has to be ranged and based entirely on what we think of the actual device. If you wanted to walk around, and this isn't just you, Dave, by the way. Uh, this is a lot of people, the people that aren't giving I was kind of hoping for an RPG. Yes, but you were hoping for yeah. and it's unfair to judge it on that. Well, because, it's like, because of the, the freedom of the walk around of the Citadel when we mm, first got it, yeah. and then seeing the clips that they were actually playing think, on Apple's demonstration, yeah. you kind of felt like you were going to walk around, meet people, fight them, move around, meet people, fight them. That's kind of what you felt like. But I think that you can get locked into um, a, a particular system if you do that. Or we have to remember this is the first of the games. This is a trial thing. Mm. They're putting it out. Um, soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, but if, it's a trial thing that costs seven ninety nine. so it's not really a yeah, trial Yeah, but thing. when I say a trial thing, understand, I don't mean a trial as in like it is a trial game. It mm. is in no way a trial game. I am up to Bloodline 3 twice now. Because I originally played it on the iPad and then sat there and thought for a minute and went, you know, this would be a hell of a lot easier on an iPhone mm. because it's a lot smaller and it's a lot easier Well, yeah, to that play. was actually an issue I was having as well. On the iPad, it's actually like your dodge controls are down the bottom of the screen and mm. you're up here slashing, but you want to try and dodge, so you're trying yeah. to... And, no, no. Yeah, your hands Definitely, are all over the screen. if you've got the ability, go to... Um, Go to the other one. Uh, now, when you start getting into the harder levels, people can say whatever they want. This game does change up. And um, I'm a fan of Punch-Out. I always have been. Mm. Um, I thought that this is a really good adaption of that into something much more complex. Um, the whole concept is really built, built around the multiplayer. And I know that seems really odd considering the fact that the multiplayer is not available yet. But you can tell that because you've got your staple paper, scissors, rock style fighting moves, which means you've got a dodge and you've got attack moves, which means that you've got mm-hmm. that playoff, which is the standard thing. And then you've got things that throw it off. So in other words, you've got a battle of... You've got a battle of who's got the faster reactions, but then when you've got things like super moves, which just happen instantaneous, and when you've got magic, which requires you to click and do a symbol on the screen, these things change up the way a battle plays out. And it's interesting because you also have to know when to use them because if you use them 
and it's in the third of a fight, it will actually do that, and then you won't actually get your um, uh, dazed combo time where you can actually continue to lay mm-hmm. into them because um, it will move into the next cinematic and then go into the next fight. Now, the fights, there's only, I think, about six or seven in total if you take the right path. Um, but this doesn't detract from the game because the creature itself changes. It's never the same creature. There's different ones. There's, there's a few types of creature which are very much the same thing, but each one will have slightly There's different like things. There's big-ass troll. And- exactly. <laughs> and um, it's very difficult to pick which one will work better at uh, particular, particular intervals. Like, as an example, you wouldn't think that the giant... Um, like, I don't know, troll-like creature with the giant axe would be something you should try and parry. <laughs> but you should. And it's interesting because as you get into the system, there's lots of different ways to beat things and you have to sort of play against each other. Um, any of the equipment you finish... This is where I got really interested in the game because when you get to the end of the game, there's only the six levels and I got to the end and I was like, this must be the start of where it finishes and you fight the first boss and boom, you just get annihilated in five seconds. And I was like... I feel kind of raped right Mm. now. Um, And then the game restarts, but it says Bloodline 2. And basically the game restarts with the same equipment you had from the last game and you're playing as the son of the person who just died. And you play through the game again and you get better weapons, the creatures are harder, and you get up to the boss again. Now, I managed on my second playthrough of the second Bloodline to get him down to half health. So it is possible, I think, to beat him (laughs) at any stage. Well, I got my ass kicked by his Black Knight. Oh wow! Um, at level, I was level five. He was level eight. Yeah, and uh, he, I was doing well. I got him down to about half. And yeah, then if he... you beat that Black Knight, there's there's a crate, and that crate can sometimes have really good weapons and armor. And the the sword I'm currently using is out of that box. Right, and it's like it's almost like they're giving you one last possibility to kind of beef yourself up before <laughs> you take this guy on. Um, it's a cool system, and I can see that when they get the multiplayer working for it, it's fine. I still do kind of lean towards the fact that it feels kind of testish in a well, way. Well, it feels to me, and th- this is where I came down on it, which was I enjoyed the game, and it's beautiful looking. It's just no amazing. No doubt. It is just beautiful looking. All right, It is the most amazing graphics I've ever seen put on the iPhone slash yeah. iPad. It's just stunning. And you're right, the music and the sound effects, and oh. I mean, it's just fantastic. I was a little bit let down because, as I was saying, I was hoping that it was going to be something that was kind of much more... Well, you remember me and you sat down and we estimated about 25 bucks for this app. That's right, 20, because and that, hoping that it would be this big multifaceted exactly. thing. Um, As a fighter, yeah. it's good. I enjoyed it. I thought, I, you know, I, I worked up a sweat doing it because you're doing a lot of this. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, and so there's a, there's a, you know, you work up a sweat doing it and all that sort of stuff, and that's all fine. I just feel like it should have been released as Project Sword, which is what... They demoed, which was just the demonstration of the fight engine. No, because then you end up then you end up with a whole bunch of people going, just just give me a fucking game. No, this but what, is no, in itself. No, the reason a why game. I say that is because in the demo, when they talked about what they were making, they actually talked about the multiplayer. They actually demoed the multiplayer aspect. Mm-hmm. They showed it through Game Center and the yeah. connection, and they actually showed two people fighting each other on stage. Yeah. And all I could think was, if they weren't ready to release the whole game in its entirety, then maybe they should have released for free just. A fight simulator. No, so, I disagree. You know, I and think then that, that game the, is completely worth eight dollars. I have 
No, because Dave, you can't say that. You've only got through it once. When you get through it a second or a third time, the whole game changes up. Each one of the creatures that you've fought gets entirely different. Yeah, but move the problem sets. is it becomes very repetitive. No, it doesn't. Because this is the thing. That's what I thought would happen, and I said that the second I played it. I got through level four and went, "Wow, this game is going to get incredibly repetitive." The point is, it doesn't because you're never facing the same way, and you can't get into a routine with the game because the game will throw you off. You start getting creatures that will have moves that will have three or four possible outcomes from the same position so you can't predict what they're going to do so it becomes a matter of like an rpg would be like a you know standard kind of turn-based rpg it becomes a matter of saving your best things for last in case you get to the point you've also got to remember that you can't flinch this is a game where if you lose half your health you have to use a health potion there's no just instant rehealth when you finish a fight your fight's Continue right to the end of the game. I so didn't you that. die yeah. and you restart, that's the only time you're going to get your health back. And the rest of the time going through the game, you're going to have to use health potions, which means that if you have one fight that you try to play on a bus and you completely screw it up, you're screwed for the rest of the game if you only had that one health potion. So it becomes this constant fight to try and get to the end. And you can redo the game as many times as you want. I have a feeling there will be multiple bloodlines, up to maybe 10 or 15 of them. I reckon the average person could probably beat the final boss on five or six but i don't know that that's the end of the game i just know that's an option and also in a very darth vader-esque thing if you get halfway through his health he gives you the option to join him now i didn't i went for my sword instead (laughs) and went to try and fuck him up and immediately got killed afterwards but the point was that's another component to the game and the other thing like i was saying there are bits where there are people that can throw you off the screen starts moving up and down you can't focus on them so you don't know what they're going to do um magic spells there are so far i've seen about 12 of those each one with different effects which is fire Mm -hmm. water ice um poison shield heal so there's all these components to that so as you build up a character you also build up your equipment you'll build up the way you want to play it so is it worth eight dollars absolutely I, and I have to say that I would have said, you know, I'm not sure. All right? yeah. from, from the casual gamer's point of view where I look at it and go, am I ready to invest all this time in trying to build this character up? Mm. Or is it a game that I just want to be able to dip into and have a bit of fun with, as a, yeah. you know, like a punch-out game? Yeah. I, it's not a dip-in game. It sounds like you have yeah. to work your way mm-hmm. all the way through it and build it up. So it's a little bit more hardcore than I was hoping. And the problem is that if I wanted it to be a really immersive game, there has to be more to it than just fights. You know, and that's just a personal thing because I just—I was never a Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter player for those very reasons. Mm. Plain fight games bore me after a while. It's just more of the same. Yes, okay, new moves come in, but it is really just a, the same thing. Well, you've got leveling up, and you level your character Absolutely. up the way you want. My first character was very strong in the uh, physical side. This character here, I'm focusing a lot on magic. Means my magic recharges faster. I do sometimes up to a half health bar with one magic spell. Things like this change the game up entirely. Mm. It means that the experience varies as you play through it, which means that, you know, it may not be the way you wanted to play it. It is still an RPG very much to the core because as you get further and further through the game, the way you set up your equipment details how you have to play out the battles. So Mm. it's kind of like, it's a very, look, it's a unique RPG, and this is the reason that I'm definitely going to add to the people when I put up my app, my review for the actual app. I will be giving it five stars because it's the first time I've seen a game try and do this. They're trying to keep it simple, keep it phone-esque, 
but also add this great level of... Almost. What? <laughs> almost. Yeah, almost got it. Almost took the mic out again. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're adding like a huge level of effort into it so that it doesn't just become Punch-Out! And a very important part of point has been brought up by Calisynth, who says it is also worth noting that you pay $8 for a game that works both on iPad and iPhone, so you don't need to buy two games, mm. a la Angry Birds or yep. many other games out there. So yes. they have made it a universal app, which is kind of nice. Look, I like the game, and um, I think it is fun, and I did have fun playing it. Um, whether I will invest as much time on it as Josh, I mm. don't know, because you know me, I'm much more into... Mm. RTSs and so forth anyway so. and also we don't know how far they're going to take the game like this is you know also um, I'm very very curious for the multiplayer aspect of yeah. it this is what I'm waiting for yeah. this is what everybody's waiting for it's like the update must be coming and it can't be that far away because they've got it um, they've got it there is coming soon mm. and it does show you a whole list of what they're planning to throw in this is first step stuff this is like this is what it's going to offer the game has now achievements we're assuming that all of these updates are going to be free updates to the game there's no reason it shouldn't be because yeah. it actually, if you look in the the stuff about it on that for main page, it does talk about multiplayer. So they added, so this was a planned thing from the start. You can't charge someone for that. And also, it's not an epic's nature. They charge for expansions, which are parts of the gameplay, mm-hmm. and they always do that. Like, I have a lot of faith because Epic is a company I trust. You've got a guy at the head of it that's an absolute gamer. He was over here recently. I know people that hang out with him. He literally, in his hotel room, was playing Gears. Like, this guy is a through-and-through gamer, right. and he knows how we are. So I have a lot of faith. And if this is the kind of game that Epic wants to bring to phones... Like, if this is the style of gameplay, like, keep it simple, mm-hmm. but give it a lot of depth, then I'm totally on board for anything else they're going to throw at us. Cool. Can you imagine Shadow Complex on this? Oh, I want Shadow Complex. <laughs> <laughs> I want Shadow Complex. All right, we had a question in our chat room, which was, what was the guitar app that they were using? And somebody pointed out it'll be in the show notes. I actually have a list, I have a list in front of me right now which has the sound apps used. Mm. Uh, in the Carol of the Bells, they used Sound Grid. N log free melody bell guitarist nylon string igog more vox acoustic one I-Gog. sound cool. uh, bassist and guitarist electric guitarist electric so those are the apps that were used for carol of the bells and then in on the show notes if you, if you punch through the show notes uh there's links to uh other articles and you'll actually find that they do a rocking around the christmas tree and feel is navidad and they have all the apps that they used for those as mm. well so you can actually see all the apps that they used to pull that off i still is, think that one was the best though. that was yeah that was awesome that's why i played it yeah. <laughs> um all right so look we got to move on because we've got a film show we've got to get in here um let's just say uh, very quickly, I do have here the continuation of Tristan's feedback was at the very end of his feedback, he said, on a side note, a bit of feedback about combining the after show and tech show. Remember, we mm. asked for feedback on that. Yeah, yeah, we did. He says, I think it would work well. The after show is rather tech heavy already and would fit in with the tech show. Uh, the, te- the after show is tech heavy, that's right, and would fit in with the tech show. But I also think about how some days you fit in a trailer or a movie you may not have had a chance to do in the film show. Maybe once a month you could do a special that acts like a film after show, uh, if you get what I mean. Uh, where you can get all the minor film stuff into the segment, uh, into a segment, and just catch up with chat about film-related stuff and try and work it into your time slot once a month or so. Combining the shows does sound like a good idea, though, and I'm all for it. Uh, but as I said, it would be good just to catch up on the odd film thing that you couldn't do once a month. Now it's funny you mentioned that, Tristan, because we actually uh, were talking uh, on Saturday. 
actually, uh, Saturday evening. And we were saying one of the things we want to start, and one of the reasons, another reason for combining the shows is to give us more time to do stuff like this. We actually watched Troll 2 mm. and uh, the documentary about Troll 2, Best Worst Movie. And uh, we said, and we started to have these long conversations about Dario Gento and all these other great classic movies and stuff like that. And we started to think, what a great idea it would be if about once a month we got together and we had like a movie night where we watched a whole bunch of shit, right? Mm. And then did a show yeah. about that theme, whatever yeah. it was that we were doing. So about once a month we'd get together and do something like that. Uh, uh, and how drunk were you doing Troll 2? I was no, stone we cold sober. sober, dude. We were all sober. <laughs> you have to be for You that have film. to be because you feel drunk by the end of it. Anyway, um, so we thought this would be a good idea. So next year we're probably going to start doing stuff like that where we'll do these one-off specials once a month, you know, catch-ups and blah, 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 and these movie nights and stuff like that, which would be a great idea. Mm. So that will give us more opportunity to do it. Now, I also want to stress that when we combine the after show and the tech show next year, Mm. now this is what I was going to come to, we are going to combine the two shows. And there's another feedback which we will talk about in the after show today. Mm. Um, But I'm bringing up some of it here, some of it in film actually, and some of it in the after show because we do have different audiences, believe it or not. Uh, They don't watch all the shows combined or listen to all the shows combined. We have some people who just do tech, some people who just do film. So I thought we'd better space this out across all three shows just to help cover our bases. But... Uh, uh, the after show is going to become a slightly different show. It's going to be a little bit more what we originally inte- what we originally planned for the after show, and what was originally done on Geek actually way back two years ago when we started this whole thing, which was much more unstructured. We want much more conversational. We mm. want it much more like this is what happened this week. What do you think? Yeah. Right. Now the after show uh, has got some film stuff in it, and he's right. We don't want to lose that. The tech show has a lot of tech in it so what we want to do is basically the after show will become just geek actually Mm -hmm. and that show will just be quite honestly the way you have to think about it as the week in geek oh my god just a quick thing drag it dictation is now available (laughs) i just wanted to uh point that out (laughs) all right so i just went to check if uh thing had had an update because i figured it was friday in america you know Mm -hmm. maybe they were going to update and uh dragon dictation is out how much is it it's nothing it's free i just pulled it down so everybody dragon dictation is out we talked about this like six weeks ago we couldn't get it because it was american only it is here Fantastic. There's breaking news for you guys. I will grab that after the show. So, yeah, with the after show, the Geek Actually show. So we will have the dedicated film show, mm-hmm. and then we will do Geek Actually. And Geek Actually will be uh, tech. It will be uh, weird food. It will be – it'll be everything that's geek, basically. And, yes, there will be even little tidbits of film stuff thrown in there that didn't fit into the film show. And it will just be – a show that is kind of what we want it to be, which is where a couple of geeks get together and just chat about mm. what's going on in the world, you know? And a lot of our chat will lead to things like technology and gadgets and everything else. And Delta will still send us links that we can parse through and, and we'll have that stuff on standby in case we have, you know, lack of conversation. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> us running out of talking. Yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of what's going to happen next year. So, uh, Bear with us while we make these little changes, but uh, it's all for the betterment of the show. Now, uh, the other comment that was made, and we'll bring this up more in the after show, but somebody actually said we would be losing time because at the moment we have basically three shows, three hours. And if we do two shows, 
that's not really going to happen because the film show will probably be ending up going to about an hour 20 minute format mm. and the geek action show will probably be about an hour 20 minute format and so, seriously when have you ever found us not to have time to and when have we ever time? run behind schedule i mean we're always over schedule today we're already 15 minutes over so yeah, 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 you know yeah. this is just the way it is so uh we will spread it up it'll be nice two contained shows and it'll be a lot of fun mm. all right uh that's it uh, we're going to get out of here because it is uh, we are over and we got to get this film show going uh if you agree or disagree with anything we have to say, send us your emails. The website still functions as normal over the holidays. There just won't be a podcast. That, as I say, this is technically the last official Tech Actually show. Next week, next mm-hmm. year, it'll be back as Geek Actually. Uh, it goes on hiatus now for three weeks. Uh, film show for two. This is for three weeks. Um, uh, so it will be back. But send us your emails anyway because if there's anything that we can put in for the new show and so forth uh, that we would love to hear it, geektech at geekactually.com. But in fact, I'm actually going to change that and I'm going to say don't send it to that email address. All feedback should be aimed at feedback at geekactually.com. Let's, let's streamline this to one mailbox. Mm-hmm. Feedback geekactually.com is our mail and our voicemail is 02801131167. That is a Sydney number. Send us your information. If you want to know anything about merchandise, Facebook fan pages, Twitter, anything like that, it is all on geekactually.com. Right there on the front page, you can subscribe to anything that we do. Okay? Um, we also put up a couple of new, uh, oh, we put up a new and we replaced one, uh, Little Geek Shows up online. You can find those. There's a couple of new Little Geek Shows being recorded this week. So we are getting some new stuff out on that. And we also have a film show, Film Actually, and Geek Actually After Show, which you can find on iTunes. Josh, I believe you've got something you want to push. <laughs> wow, Dave, that was really impressive. <laughs> well done. RawDLC.com, uh, gaming website. Uh, there's a whole bunch of new stuff up there. We have some really, really cool new screens for uh, L.A. Noir, which you guys should check out. It really sets the tone for the game. Uh, but other than that, just to head over there, we also have a live show, which is taking a three-week hiatus at the moment. We are just having Christmas off so that we come back fresh at the start of the year. So just head over. Uh, we are going to continue to update with a whole bunch of new posts throughout the next few weeks. Aren't you looking forward to the holidays? I'm just... Looking forward to having a break. Me too. I am looking forward. Look, I love you guys in the chat room. I love all you listeners out there. But when we finish up Film and Geek actually next week and we have two weeks off, it's going to be like, ah. It feels like a very long year so far. (laughs) Okay, let's get out of here. Uh, we got things to do. Remember, last but not least, the most important thing to remember about all of this is if you want to join us live. This show is recorded live. You can watch the videos live that we actually play. Anything that we actually do is live right here. We don't post in any of the sound or anything like that. Uh, it is all done live as it's going. And uh, you can join us at geekactually.com forward slash live. All of our shows are recorded on Saturday. We start at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at the moment, which is UTC plus 11. Come and join us. Join the chat room. Have some fun with it all. We record all the shows back to back and then they go out on the, on the audio feeds. So um, the shows are meant to be audio shows but sometimes watching it live can be a lot of fun uh so uh with all that being said i'm gonna get us out of here josh because we've got to have a break and then get on to a film show damn right so until next year guys have a great year have a great holidays for those who are just listening to the tech show um i do suggest you come over and listen to the geek actually show because that's where we're going to be next year okay so look for us on itunes geek actually for future episodes and uh i'm going to leave us with uh stubby's great theme that's a good point what are we going to do about themes for next year i don't want to lose stubby's theme <gasps> just well, put it as the two we'll think about both it. Well, one at the start, one at the end. That's a good idea. Compromise. (laughs) Compromise is the way to go. Okay, bye, everybody. We'll see you all next year. 